didn't ponder one day when I was a little kid how I could get better. <laughs> I didn't sit in my room and go, can't come out today and play, I'm contemplating my predicament here. <laughs> there was no one who was having a predicament. The predicament was life. It was like a, a total full participation and engagement with what was going on. It wasn't like a withdrawing yet. I know some kids have told me, some people, that they were flipped out when they were two or three. I didn't have that sense. Yeah. I had a feeling of that wonder and awe. Yeah. It was sort of, uh, it was only when introspection started, when somehow, somehow my attention that was being distributed by whatever I saw or touched or felt or tasted, yeah, got sort of sucked up here and now was attending to a lot of thoughts. That's when weirdness started to happen. That's when, you know, when I was a kid, they'd have pictures of me and my family, and I looked like a little cherub, and my sister, and my brother, and my mother, and my father, and my grandmother, and it looked like beautiful. Everyone was shining, and everything like that. Then a couple of years later, there was pictures of my family and I, and there I was in the picture, looking at my mother suspiciously. I was starting to wonder, what the hell is going on here? I started this, that sense of separation, Yeah. Before I was a part of, without knowing I was a part of, but then I was apart from knowing so much about being the apart from. Yeah? So the knowing, I had no knowing that I was a part of, but there's a lot of knowing of me who was apart from. Yes? That's this absorption into the idea of being a self. It wasn't formulated in the beginning, it grew. Yeah? It's a mental, it's a mental process. And the mental process was now getting better at producing and advertising this sense of being a self. Yeah? And then the mind, which could reflect the conscious contact, or it can reflect whatever it is, in, whatever it is brought in front of it, was brought the idea of a, of, of a you in front of it. And it got captured by that appearance. Yeah? And now it started to live as if it was a body, as if it was Paul, who doesn't like his brother and sister and doesn't want to be here and look at my father, he's a, you know, I don't want to go to school or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All this stuff started happening and then this, this sense of being apart from got stronger and stronger and there was a stronger identification with the thoughts. Yeah. The thoughts were telling me what was going to happen that day, where before the day told me what was going to happen. Yeah. I was living the day, and then the day told me what was going to happen. If at that moment I didn't get what I want, and I really wanted it, I would cry. Then it would pass like a quick storm, and then I'd be happy again. It was very quick, very spontaneous. There was no stories about what was going on until then there was. And the first original story is you. The sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And then you get in placed in the position of the one who has all the other stories. So all the stories that have been written by your head, you have been the author of or the character of since then. Yeah? Millions and millions of mental pages of just like boring script <laughs> written over and over again. You couldn't sell this to like a cable show. It's just constantly, no one would want to buy it. Yeah? But there's like an enthrallment with it because we fell in love with the image the mental process presented. Yeah. We fell under that swoon. So now, this little, this verbing of selfing, this like a pop-up of a feeling of being a noun. Yeah? 
And then everything else that's happening now is either happening to me or from me. I don't see life as happening anymore. I see it as it's happening to me, or it's happening for me, or as me, or by me, but it's always me involved. Yeah? And for that me to keep appearing, because it isn't so, there has to be a reinforcement of it. There has to be something that produces the illusion of being a sense of being a noun. Yeah? And that's the daily narrative the head's running. It's a small system called self-centeredness. Obviously, it's defined perfectly by the statement. It's centered on self. Yeah? So everything is seen as how it pertains to you. There's no escape from that, because there's no you to escape from it. Yeah? Self, the self that's made by the mental process, can never transcend the mental process, obviously, because it's a product of it, yes? So the feeling that I can get out of it is one of the things that is produced in it. In self-centeredness, there's a feeling that you could be out of it, which drives you even more crazy when you believe you're in it. Because you feel like you could be out of it as a you. And that's impossible. Any being out of it as a you is just being in it. Every escape patch, when you climb out of it, you're in, you're still in the system. Every point of transcendence, every jumping off point where I'm going to find the quote-unquote authentic self or whatever, is always within the system of self-centeredness. There is no escape. Because there's truly nothing to escape from. It's an activity, a mental activity. And the illusion isn't produced by the activity, it's produced by the attention and interest that's absorbed in it. Yes? In other words, you are, not you, but what this is, is a full participant in what's appearing to be you. This isn't happening to you. It's not imposed on you. There's not something that's called a real dream that's imposing its reality on you. Yes? You, in a sense, are the dreamer of it. And it's about taking responsibility, in a sense, to see that I'm a participant in this. This is not happening to me. This is not happening to me. That's the story of self-centeredness that you believe that something and someone is imposing some will on you, either the greatest will or an individual will. But that is just a a view from self-centeredness. And of course it creates a suffering of that, and then you want to get out of it, but as a self. And that's truly being in self. You see it a lot at meetings. People come to the meetings and... Their wanting to get out of self is such a suffering of, quote-unquote, being in self. Because there's still this hope that, you know, I'm going to be there when it gets really good. (laughs) That's not what happens. (laughs) It's really your absence is the key. You're not going to be there. You're not going to get it. (laughs) There's no way. Once you get it, it's an old meal. It's like a TV dinner by then. It's been dissected and edited by your little mental director. That isn't it. The getting it is a verb. It's seeing. You can't rest on your laurels and become a seer. You can't become a knower. There's just seeing and knowing. 
It's a movement. It's not a place where you can lay a hat. You can't sit down in it and claim it. In other words, the nature of that mind, the conditional mind, to be a noun doesn't work with the verb of living. Because it wants to sort of say, I know the river, but it's not wet. It wants to plant a flag in it and say, yes, this is a river, but the, the, river, the river is rivering all around that flag. It's rivering and rivering and rivering. But now you've, I'm, a, I'm a realized person. I realize something. <laughs> the only thing you can realize is that you cannot realize anything. Yeah? It's a realizing it's a realizing of something. Once it becomes, oh, I've realized something, that's like sticking a flag in a river. Yeah. So like we were talking about last night, with the system of self-centeredness, if you're interested in it, see, I believe there's value in describing what we're not. Yeah? I don't believe there's any value in trying to describe what we are, because it's indescribable. But I do believe there's a value in describing what we're not. Because, in a sense, you can learn about what you're not. And in a way, when then what you're not is appearing, in all of its myriad forms and non-forms, you will see, hopefully with a little bit of understanding, you may entertain, I possibly may not be that. And I may, meet, I may even though there's seeing, I may not be the seer of that. Yeah? You just may start entertaining it. And when you're entertaining it, that opens up because you're onto something. Look at what you can do with nothing. You can entertain what's not happening and make it seem to have a real effect in your body condition now, don't you? If I sat here and worried about, uh, oh, let's see, my girlfriend's having sex with uh, Jeff Foster or something. You know? <laughs> That'd make it worse. <laughs> Someone I'm in competition with. It was a normal person. No, but oh! He likes his message more than my message. <laughs> so there would be a feeling, could be a feeling in my body of contraction, yeah. So my mind would start racing a little bit, and then there would be an incessant pop-up of just forced his little smug British face. <laughs> of that, there would be this. If that was entertained in that old form, it would imply a this. Yes? I would be the one that his actions were affecting. Yes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yet, it's not happening. So what's not happening really begets another what's not happening, which is a you. And a you begets what's not happening. They're in a relationship, in a sense. For you to really sense yourself as this, which is not happening, you have to really entertain a lot of, of that which is not happening. Because in what's not happening, it seems to be happening to you. Yeah? <laughs> really. In what's not happening, whatever's not happening seems to be happening to you. Yeah? Because yours are not happening. Here, there's a clearness to... It, if you're seeing that it's just happening. It's not happening to anyone. Yes? But in what's not happening, that clearness isn't available. Yeah? Because it's not happening. 
So in what's not happening, what's not happening really seems to be happening to me. So I live really in what's not happening. The sense of being Paul <coughs> thrives in what's not happening. The sense of being Paul is really easily seen not to be so in what's happening. Yeah? Because even if on a very basic observational level, something obviously here precedes Paul, yeah, which is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. The act of consciousness, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching, precedes Paul. It's, it's seen that Paul is really a mental reaction to the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. So, the seeing, hearing, feeling, just like you'll have a feeling, and then the mind arises and says, I don't want to feel that, but you felt it already. Yeah? Or you see something outside, and you go, oh, that was terrible, I didn't want to see it, but you saw it first. Yeah? So the seeing really precedes you. You, in a sense, is a reaction to the seeing, a mental reaction. So the sense of your, and so there's the seeing, and it gets obvious after a while, you seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and you realize the mental reaction is a sense of being you, and then it, it sort of slips itself in front of the seeing and says, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, but it's easy to see after a while. But in what's not happening, it's very not easy to see because it's not happening. <laughs> There's no seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching there. There's just thinking. <laughs> yeah. So thinking <laughs> is, <laughs> is what's being noted first. Not hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, touching. And when you're aware of thinking first, thinking, it's much easier for thinking to slip in front behind that. Yes? And yours, it's very easily to be held that I'm the seer in thinking. Yeah? It's difficult when conscious contact is happening because you see the seeing, hearing, feeling beats, you know, does the, does the action first and then the, the thought of I'm the seer arises. But there, there is no other of that, really. All you're doing is seeing thoughts, and you're really, really, because of identification itself, you're absorbed in thoughts, big time. We're living in a mental realm here, totally. Most people are not, much of their attention is not on, mostly on visual, because that can be captured into memory and thought, yeah? It can be projected into thought, but hearing, feeling, tasting, touching is really underdeveloped. We're mostly just seeing thoughts most of the day, yeah, about what's happening. So that's the prime place to be totally deluded in a way. Yeah? So in what's not happening, it's always happening to you. <laughs> because if there wasn't a you there, it would be seen clearly not to be happening. <laughs> Obviously. Because this would be happening. So while you were aware of this happening, you would have an immunity to what's not happening presented in your head. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, you'd be sitting here, and this is happening, and then the mind would represent it. No, this is happening next Friday. And you'd go, wait a minute. It wasn't you. You would do it just an instant recognition. Well, this is happening. So how can this be happening if this is happening? Yeah. So there would be a pretty clear recognition. This is not happening. And there's your immunity to not happening. And if this isn't happening, if what's not happening is not happening... But to you, it's happening to gets much weaker, yeah. Because the to you cannot thrive here; it thrives in time. If it, it thrives in memory and in projection, yes. 
because it is part of the system of thought that has memory and projects. Yeah? It is a product of it. The mental process that has memory and is projecting its memories into an idea of a future is what's producing the idea of self. So you bought the whole product line, in a way. You've got the idea of being a self, and you've got, it's all reminiscing and all this stuff about memory, the authentic self. Oh, I was there. I have a picture of me in Hawaii, 2003. Let's look at the picture. All right, there's the picture of Hawaii, and there's an object, a you. But that's me, you see. Oh, okay, so you were there. And then in the projection, in what's not happening, you're there in thought, and you have a picture of yourself as a body, don't you? So when you're in that mental realm, because you're the original what's not happening. This is the original what's not happening. (laughs) Seriously. What's not happening cannot be happening to you unless you are are what's not happening. (laughs) Yeah? What's not happening cannot happen to you. It only happens to a you that's not happening. There's no difference between thinking about what's not happening and and believing or feeling about the you. They're the same... They're the same, like, uh, substance, yeah, of what's not happening. You and I, as an action figure, are not happening. So, what's not happening can only happen to something else that's not happening. Obviously, it cannot happen to what's happening, could it? How could what's not happening happen to what's happening? (laughs) It's impossible. (laughs) So, what's not happening... Is happening to what's not happening. So you're you're not like what's not happening isn't being imposed on you. That's happening. It's not. It's only being imposed on something else that's not happening that you haven't seen. By not seeing that this is not what's happening, you are not. You have no immunity to what's not happening. If you don't see this as not as what's not happening, yes then you'll have no immunity to what's not happening, the past and the future. Because this, what's not happening, gives that its life. I'm telling you, what's not happening has no allure whatsoever. It doesn't have any ability to fool anyone. It only fools what's not you. The aspect of mind that has taken itself to be you gets fooled, yes, by what's not happening. Only because it's not happening. There is no thing called illusion. There's, there's no great illusion that's, that's fooling everyone. How can that be? That if it fooled everyone, everyone would be fooled. How come some people are never fooled by it? And they see it as if it never happened and has no power whatsoever. Obviously, you and I give the illusion the meaning it has. So if you're taking yourself to be an illusion, what is an illusion can appear real to you, obviously. If what you're taking yourself to be is illusory, being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, being an object, if that is illusory, then you're apt to believe false evidence or an illusion. You're apt to believe an illusion as an illusion. But if you recognize that this is not so, you would have the eyes to see what's not happening. Yeah. You would recognize it's not happening. 
I can really see how what's not happening can only, I mean, it, it can't affect what's happening. But is the opposite true? Can what's happening affect what's not happening? Because otherwise... Yeah, it affects it by, you, re- you realize it's not happening. doesn't mean it's not happening. You realize it's not happening. Okay. See? An appearance isn't really happening right. as we taking it. But it's happening. But it's not happening, really. Yeah? It's not happening the way we see it. Yeah. It's happening, though. Right. That's what occurs. On, yeah. On a relative yeah. yeah. In other words, it's, it's sway or power, quote, unquote, over you is based on the you, not based on it. You're not be f- being fooled by a great trick. You're the trickster in a sense. Yeah? The mind's ability to entertain is unbelievable. Really. Look at what it's entertaining now. Separation. Suffering. Yes? Living with, not what, with what you don't want or not having what you want. Yeah. Being afflicted by what we call fear but really is mental anxiety about what's not happening. Constantly not being able to enjoy here because of your preoccupation with there. I mean, these are things that the mind's entertaining. Isn't it? So its ability to entertain, it can entertain, it can shrink up a whole universe and base all the attention on the hem of your dress or your pants if it thinks it's too short or something. Oh, Jesus, did anyone notice? It doesn't hit the back of my sneaker. My pants are too short. I knew everyone I was walking up here. They were all looking at my feet. Your whole, the attention that could be attending to the whole bliss of the peace of everything is now absorbed in the hem of your pants. <laughs> you can go home and when I was a kid, someone made the mistake of saying hello to me, a girl in school one day when I was 11 years old. And I went home and wondered what she meant by it for like five hours. <laughs> My mind just represented this freaking very unimportant incident of a million incidents in that school that day. But I didn't come home with a million incidents. I came home with one incident, sat in my room, and my head just represented it. And every representation was from self-centeredness. It couldn't present it from her point of view, obviously. I just thought about her point of view in my point of view. Yes? I said... How was she, I know she must have been thinking of me like that, yes, because that's the only thing I have to go by is the way I think about everything. Yes, so this representing what was entertaining that enlightened mind really the same mind. If, if Buddhism was correct when it said ordinary mind and enlightened mind are the same mind, that mind at that moment is enlightened, but what it was entertaining. Was, was directed through self-centeredness. So its whole universe of the bliss of the, all the spheres of all the planets was being absorbed in what this 11-year-old girl meant by saying hello to me for five freaking hours. <laughs> and what made it so real wasn't that, was it? It was what was entertaining it. So the illusion is only as good as what's entertaining the illusion. There is no thing called an illusion, is it? There is nothing that we could say is an illusion. There's no maya as if there's a living 
organic thing called Maya that's in, that's imposing itself on us. We're a participant in it. Yes, it's how we're seeing is what's giving it the meaning it has. So, seeing false evidence, which is what's not happening, can appear real to you if you're identified as a self. Yeah. You have to see there's a word seemingly that's really important here. Seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. And everything here is seemingly. Yeah? Everything seems to be okay. You actually really don't know if anything's okay or not. Something could be fallen, you know, an asteroid just could have lost its its orbit and it's falling right now at this moment hitting Toronto. So right before that it seemingly is okay and then Oh, I guess it wasn't. Now it's seemingly not okay. <laughs> I thought it was okay, but that okayness wasn't solid. And now the unokayness, you know, overrides the okayness. So seemingly is based on where it's being seen from, isn't it? So something appears to be true or false to you. You are what gives it the meaning of true and false. Yeah. So let's say if you is the self-centeredness, then self-centeredness, that system, is giving your life the meaning it has. Because what else are you going to react to but the meaning that you see in front of you? Yeah? You're not reacting to the object. You're not seeing any object, clearly. All you're seeing is the meaning your mind's given the object. Yes? If you saw the object clearly, you would see it's inherently empty. There's no thing there. But we're not seeing it usually that way. So we're seeing it and our mind's giving it a meaning. Yes? And that meaning is being distributed by what system of mind we're under. And most of us have been experiencing this system of self-centeredness, yes? And that system only offers a few possibilities, really, that we've rehashed and gone over many, many times in this life already. Like, you know, the, the knight in shining armor or the fairy princess, some girl or man is going to come in my life and save me and... Once they come in my life, we'll be total as a, as a twosome and not be, and we'll be lacking as a onesome. When we get together, our two parts will make a whole and, you know, whatever. And there's a lot, or money, and if I get my outside circumstances right, it will translate into me being happy, joyous, and free. If I could just get all my ducks in a row and keep them there, then I'd be really happy, and that happiness would stabilize. Though the whole thing it's based on is totally unstable, but I still believe it would stabilize for me because I'm different than you. So when I see 800 people who have done the same thing and they're not happy, I'm thinking, well, I'm I'm an exemption there. I'll do exactly what they do, but it's going to really be happy for me. This is called delusion of self, yeah, self-delusion, self-centeredness. You live on hope, yeah. The idea of happiness, joy, and freedom being delivered. You're actually afraid of the delivery now. Before, you really wanted it, and then you've been conditioned to believe it's got to come in time later, after you jump through 800 hoops, whatever. <laughs> and then there's always another hoop and another hoop. But now we're at the point where we're afraid of happiness, joy, and freedom. Yeah? It's like this thing we talk about in uh, recovery. It's a good story. In recovery, they say, recovery is incredible because it describes the problem Though people think it's only talking about one problem called alcoholism, but alcoholism or addiction is just an extreme example of self-centeredness. There's no difference. There's just it's an extreme example. Yeah. Let's say other people are, let's say, more civilized in the seeking than an alcoholic, an addict, but it's the same, same beast. So in, in our recovery, it says, all right, being convinced, 
which means to believe with certainty. That self, manifested in various forms, being mental forms, whatever, yeah, has defeated us. So there's a simple recognition of the utter defeat of this system. Yeah? That even if you take yourself to be this, let's throw yourself as a host, and this is the host, that this parasite of alcoholism has defeated you. It's taken your life over. And it's used you for transportation. And now you're exhausted by it, but you can't get out from underneath it because you're powerless over it. So you admit that. And then, what, and then you say, okay, now we'll look at its common manifestations in life, which manifestation means an appearance, yeah? Something that happens. It manifested. So something manifested in my life, money. So money manifested. So in the many uh, manifestations of self, we'll see how it defeated us, all right? So then we look at a simple feeling a lot of people have here called resentment, yeah? Where they resent someone or something because they believe things would have been different if that didn't happen. So if my mother didn't, you know, put me in those stupid shorts when I was four years old and when I got my ass kicked in kindergarten and whatever. So I resent my mother for doing that to me. Whatever. Yeah, and it becomes a part of the story of why I'm not in the delivery of happiness, joyousness, and freedom. If she wouldn't have done that, I probably would have gotten happiness, you know? <laughs> and then all the anxiety that arises, thinking you're this, because obviously if you're this, you need a lot of that. Yeah? And a lot of that may not be delivered when this needs it. Yeah? So you're in an object anxiety about what's going to happen to you. And you act out. You know, when you feel like a rat, you're going to act like a rat. Even if you're wearing a nice three-piece suit or, you know, a bum's clothes, you'll be rat-like in this world. You'll be scurrying around trying to get what you think you need before anyone else gets it, finds out you don't really deserve it or something. Yeah? So in this, this is how self defeats us. Yes. So it's in that identification of self. So here... This is, happens a lot. So let's say someone has this beautiful lawn in his backyard, and he loves this lawn. And he, did I tell this before? I like this one. This lawn, and then uh, he likes to run around the lawn without any shoes on, and you know, in the morning dew, and it's really nice. And he does angels in it, and, and he has picnics there, and he has little lawn bowling tournaments, and it's a huge part of his life is this lawn. He enjoys it a lot. He takes care of it and everything, and he. He contemplates it, looks at it a lot. Wow, this lawn's brought me so much joy. and really likes the lawn. Then one day he jumps off the porch with no shoes on and he jumps, falls in some shit, you know. So immediately his life takes a turn. He has to wear shoes now. And so he, what he does is he just goes back on the porch. He walks in and tries to forget about it, thinking like the shit's going to go away. Just a couple hours later he goes out to see if the shit's still there and he remembers where it was, so he steps somewhere else, and he steps in some other shit. And now he starts smelling the lawns full of shit, you know? There's shit everywhere. And he said, fuck, what am I going to do? So he, what does he do? He goes inside, closes the door, pulls the shades down, and then he just gets pictures of lawns. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he puts the pictures on his house, and he starts reminiscing how great it was to have a lawn and all those bowling tournaments and running around in the morning. But he's not doing any of it anymore. But he's just reminiscing. And other people, the same thing have occurred, have coming over, and they're looking at these pictures, and then they have the, the Kentucky Derby, you know, the bluegrass of Kentucky. They watch that. Look at that lawn. It's beautiful. And everyone's into this lawn. And then someone comes over and says, hey, I think I have a solution to your problem. And this is sort of what it's like a lot in life. 
So let's, and they go, I go, what is it? And they said, here's a pooper scooper, yeah? And I think in your condition you should get two pooper scoopers. And if you get really good at scooping up poop, there'll be times where your lawn will be sort of like it used to be. Maybe not the whole lawn, but maybe at least six by ten or something. So you can have like a two-person picnic or whatever, you know what I mean? So he started, and he wants to have that experience back of what it was like to have that lawn. So he starts practicing, picking up poop, and he gets pretty good. He's using two at a time, and he's got it pretty good. And, but the best he can do is get about a four-by-eight piece of lawn for a couple of hours. But he has to work really hard. So his life has to be very scheduled when he's going to have that picnic because he's got to pick up a lot of shit. As soon as the picnic's over, there's a lot of shit again. <clears throat> but he's getting really good. Now people hear about him who have the same problem. And he starts becoming an authority on picking up shit. <clears throat> and he gets invited to talk, go to places, and he talks about picking up shit, describing shit, and everyone identifies, yes, yeah, a lot of shit in my lawn, my life, you know. And then the poopa scooper, and then he starts autographing the poopa scoopers, and he becomes like a circuit speaker, and he's got a, writes a book, and then videos. <laughs> and uh, and people are starting to feel lighter. Yeah, and they're picking up a lot of scoop faster. They're recognizing shit, which is a beginning. And then, all right, instead of just thinking, oh, this is my lawn. No, that's shit. Oh, be able to tell the difference. So now, good. And so now, someone comes over to him and says. Uh, hey, I think I have a solution. He says, oh, no, I found my solution. And I go, well, yeah, yeah. He says, oh, yeah, yeah. I know, I, I'm an incredible pooper scooper. I can fucking do two at a time. And, man, I have people are calling me up from all around the world. I'm going on circuit speaking. No, no, I have no problem anymore. The problem's actually my solution now. You know, I'm identified as a great pooper scooper. You know, circuit speaker and everything. And then, so I says, well, he's walking out the door. He says, well, maybe you'll want to know the solution one day. And he goes... I go, oh, don't worry about it. I'm happy the way it is. He says, well, if you want to know, here it is. Find the dog. What? Find the dog. Wait a minute. Yeah, there ain't no shit without a dog, yeah? Find the dog. The dilemma with us, see, if you found the dog, it'd be easier to give it up than if you found the dog and realized it was your dog. The identification with the dog is what allows you to sort of put up with this shit. <laughs> Literally. Because you love that thing and you don't want to get rid of it. But if you could see it as not you and you got rid of the dog, there would be no more shit and you wouldn't need to use the pooper scoopers. It doesn't mean you burn them or anything. You put them away and you have a respect for them, but I'd rather be free from pooper scoopers than to be a great artist of pooper scooping. Yeah? The whole point with us is just that. The idea of being a self is the solution, recognizing I'm not that. Many times what we're doing is just learning how to make it a little better. We're trying to adapt in the system of self-centeredness where instead of like all the, the, all the other hell is much hotter than the little hell we're in. And it takes a lot of vigilance and practice to get a little relief in that because the system itself is a, a form of slavery. It's captured your ability to entertain and now everything you're entertaining is being entertained through the view of being a self which limits the ability to entertain. Yeah? Because one thing you can't entertain is, I'm not that. If you're identified as a self, 
you cannot entertain, I'm not that. The mind can't go there. All it can do is try to get therapy for it, maybe so, you know, socialize it, discipline in it, try to lean it towards becoming spiritual so that this self-centeredness will maybe become a little more, uh, have a larger lens, but it's all pointless. Yeah? The thing is, is, is to entertain I'm not that. Once the mind entertains it's not that, it now can start entertaining again. And so peace isn't something that you work towards, it's something that's available now. A sense of okay isn't something that's built, it comes with the whole system. When the mind's freed from that slavery to self, there's a sense of okayness that travels as here. Yeah? Even in what seemingly is unokay to the self, its own situation is unokay to it. When you're not that, what you are having a big struggle with stops. Yeah? And ease and comfort is available. Not a dis-ease and a discomfort moving you to seek for some solution. You, f- you find your pursuit of happiness becomes a leisurely walk because you're happy. And the base, best solution to dissatisfaction is satisfaction. Everything else is just bullshit. When you finally feel satisfied, a lot of stuff will change. <laughs> Seriously. When you just feel like when everything is okay, it's okay. <laughs> And the proof will be in the pudding. It will be like an unspoken yes. And then it verifies itself through living it. Yeah? You may want to read a book. Who knows? If you're a book reader inclined to read books, maybe you will. Who knows? But all the trying to find an authenticity or an authorization of your condition will be dismissed. It will be so obvious it's so because it's so. Now, you know what I mean? <laughs> it will be so obvious, it's like when you were a kid and you didn't know anything. You don't even know anything's happening, because it's happening. It's when all the thinking is like fills the vacuum when there's the belief it's not happening. Then I think it's happening all the time. Is, let me ask you a question. Is it happening all the time, or are there any times when it's not happening? All this just goes out the window. Because it doesn't matter. You don't need any filler anymore. And let's say the lack of wanting knowledge is the is the sign of having knowledge. Yeah. The lack of seeing, if you want to call it this, the lack of seeking is the is the the acknowledgement of finding. Yeah. It's really obvious and simple. When there's been a drive, looking, 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 and it ceases, there must have been what you would call here a finding. Yeah, because all the philosophies weren't changing that that force of looking. They were just new ways of looking. But the looking was persistent, yes? You were just trying to, all right, there's this incessant looking. Ever since I left the tit, I've been looking, 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 looking. So now I'm going to put it into Buddhism. So let me, let's, Buddhism is such an incredibly beautiful way of looking. Maybe we'll tame this way of looking, and maybe that way of looking will finally bring me to a point of finding. All forms of looking, in a way, are blindness, because there's a natural seeing. 
And you've, you've had a sense of it already in your life. And if you have a kid, you can see the sense of it vicariously through them. You have a, I have a kid, my, my, the lady I live with, the, the landlady, she has two, she has a daughter who has two kids, so she takes care of her kids. Now the older one's going to school, so now she's taking care of the young boy. So I come out of my room in the morning, and the boy's sitting in his little, on, just on the rug, and he's, he's aware. So he sees me come out. So there I come out, and he just goes like this. Just follows me, follows me, follows me. And he can't stand up, and he, he follows me so far until he falls down. Boom. Yeah? You want to read a fucking book? There's your scripture. The living scripture of awareness. Yeah? I mean, ping! You know? <laughs> <Flail>. <laughs> Is he reading any books about meditation? Is he trying to corral it? Is he trying to refine it? Is he trying to make it better? Do you think a mystic finds anything more beautiful than that kid's, what's happening at that moment in all of its travels and all of its practices? Do you believe there's really something finer than that? That just pure awareness, that awareness unadulterated, just being exhibited in a child's eyes? Give me a break. say that. The best spiritual path is getting older. Really. It's the one you're on all the time. You don't have to get on it. You're on it all the time. Literally. A lot of the fires that were driving you crazy stuff going out, don't they? Most of the time. Things that used to be the cause celeb of your distress every day is dismissed. And you're not doing a damn thing about it. It's just happening. Yeah, yeah. I believe that for sure. I've seen. Do you ever see? Uh, I've been. I helped give birth one time. It's an incredible vortex of juice there, and I was there when some person died, and there was the same vortex there, same energetic whatever going on, exact same energy happening. One was coming seemingly, one was going. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this whole thing isn't a command or a draft. It's just an invitation to see. And see, the invitation doesn't even have to do with the seeing. The seeing's already in place. There's just an invitation. Yeah? Because we're asking our head to give us permission just to have the sense of seeing. And its way of giving you permission is you've got to do and have something. You've got to practice something. There's something that you have to change for you to get back to seeing. It's always going to be a condition to it. Yes? It's all, even if there's the event... It will always put a condition on it. Well, for you to have that event again, you've got to do something. Yes? This is like an invitation just to see. You don't need to ask permission from the self-centeredness. Yes? It's not you. It's the one that rushes to the mail slot and grabs the invitation. But it only reads the envelope. It just wants to see, to me? Oh. 
gets into that, usually throws the message away. But the mind itself may look at that message and go, I'm not that? <laughs> when it entertains I'm not self, then its ability to reflect starts reflecting other things and no thing. Yeah? That's like seeing your original face in Zen. The mind turns away from reflecting things, or that we talked about last night. It's not a one-sided mirror attention, it's two-sided. This side's been opaqued by the mental process, and self has been slapped there. So you believe you would start from here, and everything ends here. Yeah? But in fact, so attention goes from wherever it came, yes? Hits things, goes all there, yeah? So that, to me, is the reflection of your original face. Yes? And it's being, as you're seeing, seeing isn't just in one direction, obviously. Seeing isn't just seeing, conscious, you know, I'm hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. There's the other aspect of seeing, which is intimation of what can't be seen, touched, felt, taste, and smelled. Yes? But there's an intimation of it. Yes? There's a sense of it. It's almost like an honoring of that gives it a presence. Yeah. If you're totally absorbed as a thing with things, really what's lacking is the honoring of that. Yeah. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It means to you it doesn't exist because the meaning that your mind's giving everything is things are valuable. This is what's real. This is what matters. Yes. This is substantial. Solid. Solid as a rock. Yeah. That's nothing. That's space. Who cares about that? So, the fact is, it doesn't mean that's not so. It's just seemingly not so to you. Because your mind's giving that the meaning of non-existence as being empty, as being nothing, and giving what's appearing to be everything. Yeah? This is just about... And the attention, there's no further activity you need to do, but when you entertain I'm not that, the attention goes right through. It doesn't bounce off the idea of being you again into this loop of self-importance. Yeah, It doesn't. It goes right through. And what was sorely lacking in your traveling here is brought back a sense of that. Yeah, A sense of that. Just like Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of it. A sense of what you're of, yes, while you're seemingly in. So you're traveling, traveling what you're seemingly in, but you have a sense of what you're of while you're seemingly in here. Seemingly in here. Yeah? It's appearing to be you're in here, but that's what it is. It's an appearance. But what you're of is not of this appearance. So you have a sense of what you're of while you're seemingly in. That's what I call traveling light. Yeah. And most people, it's lacking because... They're identified with the back of the mirror, that false facade, the opaqueness that's made by the mental process, that I'm a self, that I'm the one that's aware, that I'm the one that's attending to this, that I'm the one that's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting. When that attention is claimed, it doesn't go back to its true home, which is that, yes? And that's what we're sorely lacking, yeah? You know, I remember when I came into recovery, it was amazing. After a few months of being in the community of recovered people, I had a feeling that I didn't know what to name, and then it dawned on me. It was a feeling of belonging. 
And I hadn't missed it because I never had forgotten about it. It was one of the millions of things I was lacking running around like an addict out there. But I, by coming into this community, I felt a belonging after a while. I finally, oh, that's what it is. It's a sense of being a part of again. Yeah, That sense of belonging is amplified dramatically when it's the sense of upness. Yeah? That sense of belonging you may get with a community is not even close to the sense of being of belonging when you sense that ofness in your life. Yeah? Then you are totally a sense of belonging while you're totally alone. There's no loneliness. You can be totally alone, and yet that sense of belonging is available because you are of that. Yeah? See, I... In, in recovery, I, I share with people that, you know, you know the problem by the solution. Yeah. So let's say people don't know they're absorbed in self, but then they do some service and they get out of their head that day helping someone else and they feel better. So they feel what we would call available. Yeah. And they feel a presence. That just demonstrated what the problem was. When you're absorbed in what you think you are, you don't feel the presence and you're not available. Yeah? So then you get out of yourself and then the solution tells you the problem. The problem's not going to tell the problem. The problem's going to say you have a problem. Yeah? It's going to say you as a self have tons of problems. But the solution informs you of the problem. By you being out of self, you realize that's what it's like to be in that freaking thing. Yeah? End of story. It's been revealed. There's no more confusion anymore. So the solution, just like the sense of belonging, that sense of ofness is what clarifies the appearance in it. Yeah. So what all I'm doing is, by telling the truth about the appearance, I'm not that, is a way to get a sense of the natural seeing, which is the seeing is of that. Of that, yeah. And then now, you know, there's no, I'm not that anymore. There's just a seeing which is clearly of that, not of this in a way. Yeah, the seeing isn't a product in this place. It's, a, it's of that. And that's the way, that, that's the traveling, yeah? You're going to have an experience of traveling in this place. But with a sense of the ofness, it's, it's, it turns into a, an experience of traveling lighter, yeah? My fairy, I'm still pissed off my fairy princess hasn't come. <laughs> that I have a hernia right now. That I may get sick. I may not have money. But I tell you, it doesn't matter because you travel lighter through the terrain of your life. It doesn't promise you'll change the terrain. You just travel lighter over it. Yeah. The mountains are going to be there. There'll be mountains. But it's the traveling, yeah? So just what, really? Look at, let's say you're trucking around and you've had, we went over this last time, I think, here. Let's say you had a thousand thoughts today go through your head. A thousand thoughts were seen. Probably less than that. But they say you, your mind, brain generates like 70,000 thoughts a day. 70,000 thoughts a day. So most of them are being unnoticed. Yeah? That doesn't mean there's no seeing. Seeing here can be unseen and seeing yeah, in this place. But all there is is seeing. So let's say there's a hundreds of thoughts and each thought is seen as yours. Yeah. Well, let's just, each thought weighs an ounce. So you had a hundred thoughts today. Let's say a thousand. So 
during your day, you've been traveling with a thousand ounces of mental weight. Yeah, you're used to it. You can walk up hills, you can go to work, you can have a relationship, you can go to shopping. It seems like it's not too heavy because you're used to it, basically. But let's just see if you add the word my to it, that the thought is a my thought. Now that thought weighs a pound, yeah? Because the mind's just given it a whole lot of meaning, and the weight of the mind is meaning, yeah? Truly meaning. Meaning is the weight of mind. It gives meaning to things. It gives them more weight, yes? So now my thought, now you're traveling with a thousand thoughts that weigh a pound. That's a thousand pounds. You're going to be heavy, eh? You're going to be looking for relief. You're going to, you're going to give a huge amount of meaning to a pint of Agendas. <laughs> you're going to give a huge amount of meaning to porno. You're going to give a huge amount of meaning to the future possibilities and hope that things could get better. Your mind is going to give a huge amount of meaning to things because it's what heavied out. Simple as that. All the yapping about it and all the learning about, oh, it's not really that heavy and all this is baloney. Everything, all those thoughts become heavy. Yes? All the spiritual thoughts, when they're my thoughts, become heavy. Isn't it a terrible feeling to believe to believe I'm not this but feel like you are all day? <laughs> How's that working for you? <laughs> it's more painful than before you ever heard anything of this. Fuck it, I wish no one would have told me I'm not this. It's better than I thought I was. It's terrible now. Now I'm thinking, I am it, but I shouldn't be. I'm not it, or whatever. So, a thousand pounds is going to produce a lot of need to get relief. It is. Give me a break. Yeah? You're going to be looking constantly to get some fucking relief. The real solution is the mind. When you see a thought as a thought, it has its nature, which is to come and go. That's what it does. When it's seen as my thought, you inject time into it. You stretch it out. The mind puts it in the mental realm and stretches it out. So now you have past thoughts that coincide with this one, and then future thoughts that project what this one's implying, yes? And you're adding, and weight is being added. It's sort of like here, you take a thought and you stretch it out, and then there's a lot of surface that you can put weight on. Yeah, oh. So the my stretches it out, and then you lay a lot of weight on it. It's stretching over time, past and future. Fuck, unbelievable. A lot of weight, yeah? When a thought just comes and goes, a thought. So the whole point of this is to entertain. If I'm not that, if I'm not that idea of being a self, then definitely I'm not the thinker of these thoughts, nor are the thoughts about me. They're about self, but I am not that, yes? And I found once the my is broken off the thought, once the my is broken off the body, once the mind is broken off the future, once the my is broken off the girlfriend, the boyfriend, once the my is removed, you travel lighter and all that. Yeah? Future and my future are totally different. Money and my money are totally different to my head. Health and my health are totally different. Your health and my health are totally different. The my is the act of identification. That's, you can watch it. You want to see it? There you go. See what it does. When you, when a thought is witnessed in your head, seen, isn't there another thought that you don't see, which is the thought, I'm the thinker of this. 
It's now in the form of an assumption that's taken to be true. You don't think it, you don't notice it being thought, but every thought is held as the thinker, isn't it? You don't notice that thought of being the thinker. It's now an assumption. It's underneath. It's like you see the thought, but underneath the, the lens is, I'm a thinker of this, or it's about me. You don't see them much, do you? Those give all the meaning to the thought that's being seen. So the bondage isn't from the thought. The bondage is you. Y-O-U. It's the, it's, the, it's the act of claiming by self. Yes? So if you can see it, it must have a, give you a flavor that I must not be that if I can see it, yeah? After a while, maybe there'll be seeing of it, seeing of it, seeing of it. But one of those times there's a seeing of it, there'll be a shift in emphasis. You will see, I must not be that, or there'll be no way I could see it. Yeah? If, this, all, if all of this that's about me is what comprises me, I, may, I must not be that. All of this that is about me, that com- is what comprises me. There is no me. I am all, the me is all of that that's about me. It's all the selfing. If I see the selfing, I must not be its product. Yes? It's, it will happen. It's probably happened many times, but then the head rises and claims it. Oh, I just saw that I'm not that. No, there was no you that saw that you were not that. That's another... Oh, wait a minute. But I did see it once and I was that. No, you see, oh, it'll go back to the past to claim it. Or I, th- I hope I'm going to see it again that I'm not that. Or it'll go to the future to claim it. But all of its activity is to claim it, yes? And then you see that. Well, however it appears, wherever it appears in time, be it, oh, I did see it once when I was a kid, which is not true, or I'm going to see it at the time of death, which is not true. There's no you that's ever going to see anything. Yeah? When you start seeing that, and there's that sense, I'm not that, that's the being what you are. That act of seeing is being what you are. Is being what you are. Being what you are here is seeing. Yeah? That's not you either. That's like the tentacles of the selfing. It wants to feel everything with thinking. It gets to know it. Oh, I know it. And it doesn't realize that that's what nudes it. It just comes up. All right. Rush ahead, my authority one. Okay. Think about it. Does, did what's his name say what he just said? No. He's my authority. No. Okay. Now I know what it is. No, it's finding out. This is an invitation. It's not a proclamation. I'm not proclaiming anything that's fucking true. I'm offering an invitation to find out. Yeah? Find out. Be your own authority. I mean, have we, have, have we gotten so far lost we can't recognize satisfaction now? We can't recognize contentment? We can't recognize peace? Are we just so familiar with the mental states of time that every piece that comes is bookended with anxiety it won't be here for long are we believing everything is is circumstantial here and 
is, is produced by something else here, that there's nothing that's solid and, and not of time, you know, are we that far gone that we can't recognize peace? Yeah, a peace with without an, without an opposite, just the recognition of in the seeing. That seeing is the the imminence of all entertaining. I have total confidence in mind. It can reflect anything and no thing. You just don't know it the same way you know a thing. It's intimated, and it's sort of given flesh and blood maybe by honoring it. Like Jesus says, you will know the tree by the fruit. You can't know the tree. It's impossible. But you'll know the tree by the fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. You'll judge the tree by the fruit. Yeah, so. Like last time I was here, the fruit of people's faces changing was there was a beautiful fruit. I mean, it was beyond, it was beyond any affirmation because you could just see the mind that had been entertaining something got freed up in a sense. And then, yeah. It's a magical little activity we're involved in. So let's, we'll take a break and go and, and then have another talk. Yeah. Or what are we supposed to do? What's who's running my show today? Is that enough time right now? Should we just keep going? We're going to measure our success by how much time we're. Yeah. Let's take a little break and then come back. Yeah. I have no idea. It's ten after one. Ten after one. Yeah. So how about come at two? Is that all right? December is twelve to four. It's 12-4, then we'll do three talks or something. Is that all right? Three talks is good? Yeah. Or do you want to take a longer break? It's up to you. It's just like a, you want to take a longer break now or just come back at two? Is that right? all right? Too long? All right, how about... Hmm? All right, so 2 o'clock, do a talk, and then have another break and do a talk. Yeah, fine. That's good. Okay, so we're doing two half hours. So we're doing 1.30 or 2, and then we're now to 1.30, because it's only 10 after 1. Yeah. How about quarter to 2, come back? Quarter to 2 sounds good. All right, good. I want to go to that, that hat store here. Right. The hat store upstairs. Uh, I'll take care. I'm going to introduce you.